Call Rodel Pizza. Calling Rodel Pizza home. Uh, Rick, it's Royal Pizza. Yeah, no kidding. I know that. But when I entered their number in my phone, I accidentally typed Rodel. Okay, so just fix it. <laughs> I'm too lazy to do that. I just changed what I called them instead. Ran out of breath on that line. Anyway, Rodel Pizza has the best pizza and the lowest prices in Medfield. They make their own dough several times a day. They offer pizzas, subs, dinner platters, and salads. Yeah, so Royal Pizza is at 483 Main Street. Yeah, so come on down and visit Billy, Jake, John, Scotty, Stella, Deanna, and the whole group. Or just have them come to you. Call them, 508-359-2424. Again, that's Royal Pizza. All right, Rick, last week you called Mario's Lawn Care Mario's Landscaping, and then you told the listeners to call Mike. Yeah, so what's your point? Well, so you screwed up. So Mario asked that I do the ad this week because he said he doesn't trust you to deliver accurate information anymore. Oh, sorry, Mario. Hang on, I said deliver it. Yeah, so maybe um, maybe I should take over from now on? <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead. Lawn construction, landscaping, stone walls, grass cutting, pruning, snow removal. The guys at La- Mario's Lawn Care can tackle whatever project your lawn requires. Call Mario at 508 359 8016 to schedule a service. Uh, you can also go to Mario's Biz, but based on that wildly outdated photo of Mario that's on there, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you're better off just calling. So again, that's 508 359 8016. After our conversation with Jim James last week, I will never again order from the Evil Empire. If Jim doesn't have the book you want in stock, he'll order it for you, and everybody wins. You support small business? Jim has the satisfaction of knowing that the evil empire was thwarted of your purchase. Put your money where your heart is and buy local. Park Street Books is back open for business, 10 to 6 every day but Sunday, which is 10 to 5. Park Street Books is located at 504 Main Street. Makes the title of the store kind of confusing, but Jim doesn't care. All right, let's face it, Rick. The last few months have been a lot for everybody to handle. Some of us... Did it with ease, but most of us have uh, become quite friendly with the guys down at Larkin's Liquors while stocking up on reinforcements to get through yet another week of Zoom meetings. Not only does Larkin's have what you need, they make great recommendations if you need some help deciding on the right single malt scotch. Larkin's is the oldest continuous... Son of a gun. Keep going. You can do this. Larkin's is the oldest continually operating business in Medfield. They've been owned by the Larkin's family since 1935. Located at 20 North Street, open daily. Call 508-359-4562, or better yet, just drive your car down there and stop in for crying out loud. What are you calling a liquor store for? Small town scuttlebutt, it's the show where we find out what the people have to say. Traffic lights that our time wrong makes my 109 way long. CVS receipts are wasteful, Facebook posts that are not tasteful. Small town scuttlebutt. That is Rick. He's a daddy. Wrote those posts that drove you mad. I am Mike. I work with kids. I do the things you wish you did. Rick does stand up, stays at home. Mike, you're a nerd. You live alone. Wilbo tell you how to live. So much advice we have to give. We made this podcast just for you. Here is Rick Fink Jr. and Mike Page. Hey, everybody. This is Rick Fink Jr. Across the table from me here in the basement by the furnace is my buddy, Mike Page. 
actually sitting next to you today, Rick. You are, but, um, you know, they can't see that. And uh, I was just painting a picture that would have offered some familiarity. Oh, right? I see. It's what I say every week. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's start from the top. Hey, everybody, I'm Rick Fink Jr. Sitting next to me uh, Oh, you want to say across the table so you don't throw people off? Well, no, you're next to me at the table. Oh, I know that. You, you're okay, speak, you've thrown me off completely. You know, the purpose of Small Town Scuttlebutt is to provide some entertainment and escapism from the real world, and I think that's something we certainly need now. But sometimes events in the real world are inescapable. Right now, issues involving race have our attention. Black Lives Matter, police brutality, systemic racism. These are the terms we have been talking about, hearing about, and even arguing about on social media since George Floyd had died in the custody of a white police officer in Minneapolis on May 25th. Yeah, and we're here in Medfield, the town of, what, like 12,000 residents or something like that. So in a recent town hall meeting, it was mentioned that, that our town is 90% Caucasian. And I've also seen numbers as high as, I think, 96%. And a lot of people uh, like to say they don't see color and they support black people. But I've also heard some of these same folks railing against affordable housing in Medfield and saying things like, well, we moved to Medfield for a reason. Uh, nobody's asking you not to see color. Everybody sees color. The question is, are you a good enough human being to see the beauty and the value in a person that doesn't look like you? So what the black community is asking for is to be seen and heard, period. Uh, to be represented, to be counted, and, and to matter in, in the overall conversation. Um, and Medfield recently held a peaceful Black Lives Matter rally, which attracted a 1,000 residents. And that's a great start, and the spirited discussion on social media is a great start. But please don't think for one minute that attending a rally and making a few posts on Facebook is enough. Uh, we can do more as a community to be inclusive and supportive and welcoming, so let's start having conversations that maybe put us a little outside of our comfort zones. Uh, if you're white, your comfort zone is probably already far bigger than the comfort zone of your black friends. Uh, so strike up a conversation, find some commonalities, and try to learn and grow. My wife, who is the smartest person in the world, just had one of her friends over who's also one of the smartest people in the world. Uh, her name is Dr. Lauren Beetlespocker. She's the associate professor and chair of the market division at Babson College. Mm -hmm. And anytime my wife has some friends over, drink some wine, I always pop in, say hi, sure, and then take off. Well, it was a good conversation. We started talking. And this whole idea, you, remember when everybody was making their profile pick, like just black for the day? Yeah. Okay. She was telling me that there's a name for that. It's called performance allyship. Have you heard of this? I have, yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't because I'm a little bit slow in the uptake but basically what she's saying and this is her words uh, I asked her to put it in a text so I didn't mess it up but it says it doesn't actually help anyone hashtags are a way to organize and aggregate content that way it's easy easily as searchable when all these well-meaning white people blacked out their profiles and used the hashtag black lives matter then their post would show up at the top of searches thus drowning out actual resources with hashtag Black Lives Matter content. So in essence, well-meaning white people marginalized voices in the black community trying to share actual information. Right. Lauren also goes on to say there are other more productive ways to be allies and that we need to learn how to be comfortable getting into uncomfortable conversations uh, because there are members of our community and our country who have been uncomfortable their whole lives. Um, our guest today is 
Otis Key, a former basketball player with the Harlem Globetrotters, who has been around the world twice, seen a lot of how the world works, both good and bad. Um, he currently is the women's basketball coach at Volunteer State Community College. Uh, and Rick met him about, uh, what, like 20 years ago, Rick? Yeah, roughly. Um, and Rick got to serve as his liaison during a media tour, uh, and they've uh, stayed in touch and, and been good friends ever since. Yeah, and I reached out to him the other day because um, he had written a very profound post on social media just touching the surface of some experiences that he had. So I want to um, give him the opportunity to talk to us and give you the opportunity to just simply sit back and listen. Uh, so when Otis used to play with the Globetrotters, he was on Jars of Craft Miracle Whip, he was in a Nintendo game, and he was on a nationally run television commercial. But nonetheless, he has uh, many stories of being discriminated against, racially profiled, even called names throughout his life, even when he was a Harlem Globetrotter. So here you've got a talented athlete who barnstorms the world, bringing joy to kids, which is like the whole Harlem Globetrotters uh, goal. And to put it in his own words, he's still a black male first, and in other words, a potential threat. We're going to talk about everything with Otis, from being routinely pulled over in his hometown of Bowling Green, Kentucky, to being threatened by a grand wizard of the KKK while traveling through Alabama. All right, this is this is awesome. Hey, Otis, are you there? Yeah, I can see you. Can you see me? Nope. Well, we see we see your son here. Oh, there you are, man. There he is. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. Still working this, uh, you know, this technology thing out. Oh, okay. Well, we're dealing with it too, actually. And uh, this trust is my... me, we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is our second episode. Like we just started, and um, just to catch up, how have you been, man? Doing well. Uh, you know, of course, haven't played in forever in a day, which you know helps me be able to stand up in the morning. Yep. And now coaching women's basketball, so still involved with the game. I uh, actually really enjoy it because I get a lot of the teaching aspect of it, and, and it's going well. Good, good, good. All right, so we just did an, um, an introduction talking about just um, – we just had a Black Lives Matter rally here in Medfield, and the town demographics is uh, about 12,000 people. Nine out of ten are white. Uh, it's a pretty affluent community. Everyone's well-meaning and intentioned, but if there's systemic racism, everyone here is certainly benefiting from it, you know? Um, so what we wanted to do is just because we had that community-organized rally um, and there's people talking about it, and we have a podcast that's kind of catching fire because it's a small town and not much else to talk about. So this podcast is, I think, going to help continue the conversation and Maybe, you know, we, we encouraged everybody to just stop talking and just listen. Just listen to somebody who's dealt with racism. And um, so that's, that's where we're going to pick up in this interview. Well, uh, you know, I'd have to first off commend you guys uh, uh, for using this platform to do that. And secondly, for, you know, just that community uh, to stand up and to take notice and, and to, you know, voice... Um, a very strong opinion uh, to want 
you know, that opinion to be heard. And, and you know, that's commendable because uh, especially in these days and times, that's hard to do uh, is to be able to stand there and be accounted for. Uh, so, you know, I definitely uh, commend the community for doing that. Um, I am, I'm, I, I get to the point now to where I spend a lot more time observing, uh, formulating thoughts, letting things meditate and marinate, um, you know, before I speak on them. Just like my post that I put on Facebook that day, you know, I'd spent, what, a week, two weeks just watching and looking. I, I've learned um, with age comes, you know, my mom used to say all the time, with age comes maturity. And with maturity comes wisdom, the ability to to not react so much off emotion, but to sit back and really think about it. So, you know, I've heard the all lives matter. Um, and I totally agree, all lives do matter. Yes, all lives do matter, but right now, at this point, and seemingly for many, many, many hundreds of years, black lives have not mattered as much, or as I put it in my post, had mattered less than all lives have mattered. And so that's the, um, that's the way that I equate that with the all lives. Yes, I totally agree. They do matter. I think um, police lives matter right now, especially in this tumultuous time. I think white lives matter uh, because of the, of the voice and the recognition that they're starting to see. I definitely feel Black Lives Matter. I feel Hispanic Lives Matter. I still feel for the kids and the men, women, you know, locked up in the cages at the border. Yes, those lives matter as well. So, um, you know, I think Asian lives matter because of the of the pressure and the offset racism that they're feeling because of this whole coronavirus thing. And so all lives do matter, um, but it's very, very easy to sometimes forget that some lives have been or still are a little more pressed than you know than other lives are at the moment yeah otis you got so many stories i really <laughs> the, the post really that you had really hit home you know you're just a really nice you were the perfect ambassador goodwill ambassador for the uh the globe trotters for sure so I want to ask you a couple of questions about the experience and <clears throat> you've seen a lot. Um, back in 2002, you were quoted in the Toledo Blade uh, when you're asked about the best part of being a globetrotter. And you said it has to be the travel, to go places you've studied in school and to meet people you've heard about, to have an open invitation into the private homes of kings and queens and presidents and state and world leaders. That's something that I feel I couldn't have had without the globetrotters. But yet, you just posted this on social media, um, what, a week ago. There was a time in Alabama that I literally thought I was going to have to fight my way out of a restaurant with a knife because a grand wizard of the KKK, sitting a couple stools down from me, began making comments and threats. It was only when he saw my trotter jacket that we actually had a conversation, and he bought me a beer. So there's a lot of questions here. The first one I want to know is, how do you make sense of this incredible contrast in your experiences with people? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that crazy, though, that, uh, that I could be in 2002, uh, be on the phone with uh, uh, getting ready, well, when we was getting ready to do the, launch the cheer program, uh, and President George Bush wanted uh, 
wanted something from the Department of Education that would help motivate kids in school to do their best, to um, help teachers, to help them achieve more. And so another player, myself, Ethan O'Brien, were tasked to come into the office and, and uh, come up with ideas for this cheer program, put it together, and then to be able to go out and teach it to the other advanced ambassadors that we would do in schools all across the United States first and then internationally. So you go from that having President George Bush call you on the phone, tell you good job, uh, being in front of the then Department of Education Secretary, uh, Rod Page, uh, invited to Washington with you know all the bells and whistles to here I am just finished a day in Mobile, Alabama, finished it up, uh, you know, doing what we do with school visits, hospital visits, um, the media, you know, Rick, you, you've been there with me, you've seen it, to um, going to my next destination. I just happened to stop um, at this, you know, roadside bar type place. I'm sitting at the stool, getting, trying to get something to eat. I'm, I'm, I'm an observant person by nature, so I'm looking around and I see depictions. You know, I know where I am. You know, mm -hmm. I'm conscious I'm in, you know, southern Alabama. Uh, so I'm conscious of where I am, but I never thought that I would be in physical danger. You know, I'm 6'9", at the time I'm about 270, um, big guy. But here I am sitting there, and I'll never forget it. I was having a burger, it was a cheeseburger, fries, uh, and I had a Coke, and I'm sitting there toward the end of the bar, you know, kind of in a corner purposely so I can pretty much see everything. Guy and two of his buddies come in. And um, as a kid, you know, my dad used to teach us and my granddad um, symbols, you know, white power symbols, white supremacy symbols, neo-Nazi symbols, uh, KKK patches for the various levels. Uh, and so I see the guy come in with a green jacket and I see you know, the patch on the sleeve. And I'm like, dang, you know, of all places. So as he sees me, now he's talking, you know, loud to the bartender. He's, you know, making statements. Well, I didn't think we allowed certain people in here and I didn't know we were doing this. And, you know, when did we become one of these integrations? And, you know, with this real Southern drawl and, you know, I'm eating, but I, I look up at him and we catch eyes. And it was at that point that he's like, you know, I'm so glad this, I got my Southern heritage that I'm a grand wizard of Ku Klux Klan. And I'm like, here we go. Oh so I have, my, I kid you not, I have a steak knife in my left hand and I've turned it where it's inverted to where the blade is down my arm in case, you know, I had to throw a punch. If I miss, at least I know that I'm going to connect with something and it may give me a chance to get out of there. And the more this guy's talking, the more tighter I'm holding this knife. I'm trying to eat as fast as I can so I can get out of there. I ask the guy for the bill. And it was at that point to where I go to put my jacket on that he sees the ball and finger on my sleeve. And as I flip it around to put it on, he sees Harlem Globetrotters World Tour on the back. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you one of them boys? <laughs> and I remember not even wanting to answer, just looking down like, God, just let me get out of here without having to kill anybody. And uh, he was like, 
You oh, wait, them boys, you know them boys to do them tricks. And I was like, yeah, I'm a member of the other Globetrotters. And at that point, it was kind of, it was an awkward pause. And the next thing out of his mouth was, you guys do a whole lot of work, good work for them kids. And that's what started the conversation. It wasn't, hey, we're good basketball players. Where are you from? What have you seen? It was the charity work that we do with the kids, whether it be the schools, the hospitals. That's what started the conversation. So you're saying uh, Grand Wizards can be nice people too? They can. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, children have, it's one thing, you know, when you're an adult and you're a fan. But when you're a kid, kids have soft spots in everybody's heart. And so when you have kids that are suffering, hurting, um, and you go selfishly to try to make their day a little bit better, that touches people. And, and at that moment, at that time, and now that I can reflect on it, you can see that you know it, it touches across racial ba- barriers and yeah. differences. And so that's what started the conversation. And, and we got to talking about it. I told him about the um, experience I had at Mobile, you know, leaving the children's hospital and whatnot. And he's like, um, he, he was talking to us because his friend was barking. He's like, hey, get this man a Budweiser. And um, we sat there and drank a beer. And, you know, he's like, uh, never apologize, you know, for, for anything he said. Yeah. <laughs> but he was like, you know, I really appreciate what y'all do for them kids. Shook my and- hand and I got out of there. He's probably not. He he probably got demoted for his exchange with you if he was a witness, right? I mean, I don't know how the KK works, but I mean, a grand wizard. We were joking around earlier. Like, that sounds like such a dorky thing. Like, you just roll I'm your the grand wizard. Yeah, do you KKK. do you roll your eighteen-sided dice to decide who you're gonna hate yeah. today? I mean, it's just grand wizard. It, it, it's 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 incredible, and it's two friends, you know. I was just, because, of course, here I am being cautious again. I never let go of the knife. I've got the knife in my lap. You know, I'm kind of sitting like I am now, you know, just using my right hand to eat and drink. I got my left hand ready with the knife in it. And I'm thinking his friends are going to, you know, try to come around me and get jumped. But, you know, they came and they're standing over his shoulder listening and, 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 you know, making comments as well. I saw him here when I was this age. And, and so I let them talk and enjoy that moment. And the whole time, I'm just simply surveying, listening, yeah. and waiting for the opportunity to leave. Well, something else you were talking about earlier is being taught by your family um, about symbols. You know, whatever that symbol is that was on the gentleman's jacket that that tipped you off, I probably wouldn't recognize it. I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Like, I didn't have to learn these things, you know? You know, and as crazy as it is, you know, my, my son is, uh, he'll be 21 in, in September, and these are the same conversations I've had with him since he was probably third or fourth grade elementary school, you know, watching out for, uh, and especially now that he's a young adult, you know, watching out if you see, you know, red laces and boots. Um, make sure you pay attention to the person wearing them because sometimes that's a symbol for neo-Nazism and uh, just certain little things that I want him to be aware of and pay attention in the world because, you know, it it is a, a dangerous time right now. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Otis, in your Facebook post, you mentioned um, trying to figure out how to explain all of this to your youngest daughter. Yeah. Um, this is an unfair <laughs> question, but have you have you come up with a good explanation yet? I mean, this is it's madness what's going on right now. I haven't. As much as you try to shelter your kids, they're still going to be faced with it, and they're yeah. still going to have it brought in front of them. So the best thing my wife and I can do now is just try to make her aware of it so that when she sees these things, we hope that they come to her mind and she pays attention. Uh, when she's out with her friends, we hope that she doesn't get, um, you know, so caught up in the moment of being out with her friends or not that she doesn't pay attention to her surroundings as well. So uh, that's what I meant by shelter. We try to have tried to keep her shelter from, but, you know, Rick, you have kids. It, it's, it's hard. But let's talk about more about some other experiences. Uh you get into uh, some fame and some money. You're living in Bowling Green. You've got a Jaguar XJS Coupe. Yep. How many horsepower did that thing have? Oh, man. That, you know, it was a black coupe, V12. So here I am, young guy. I had it, uh, I had it custom. So I got white leather. I got my number stitched in the seats. Yeah, the windows were tinted too, right? Blacked out. The windows are tinted. Yep. Um, it had... It, I left the rims because they were so nice, chrome spoked rims. Eight stock rims? No, so, you so kept stock rims on your. You kept stock rims on your Jaguar. Yeah. Oh, okay. they were nice. All right. Don't stereotype, Rick. It's a nice <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. Sorry. See, oh, I said I was going to have some prejudices. All right. Go on. Sorry. So you know, it was nice. So I'm getting, I'm getting stopped a lot. I'm, I'm literally getting stopped probably three to four times a week. Now in Total transparency. It was a V12, so some of those were my fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. V12 is too much power. Yeah, because I, you know, I was running it, but oh, I bet you were. <laughs> but at times, you know, it wasn't. And and at that time, I was probably 22, uh, 23. So I'm going out with my friends a lot. Um, was never a heavy drinker, so I may have at that time just bottled water all night long. And as, as soon as I get in the club, I mean, as soon as I get in the car after the night out with my friend, I turn down the road, here's the lights. Mm-hmm. You know, wanted me to step out, uh, wanted me to I basically prove that I haven't had anything to drink. And no matter if I can say, hey, you know, I've got the owner of the club's number. I was with him all night. You can call him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've only had bottled water. Breathalyzer comes back 0.0, but yet I still have to, you know, do the walk and the alphabet and and all these things. So this is recurring pretty much weekly, you know. Yeah, meanwhile, most people can just refuse the breathalyzer and get a lawyer. and Right, And, and, and I'm seeing people that I know have had three or four drinks just go right past me. Cars full of people go right past me. And, and so, you know, that was frustrating. And it, and it didn't have to be, you know, one to o'clock in the morning. It could be in the afternoon. And I'm just riding up and down the road, listening to music, and here comes the lights. Well, uh, the excuse, and I'll never forget this, the excuse was, you know, you've been by here three or four times. It's kind of suspicious. Uh, what are you doing? Are you casing? And before I can even answer, you know, he's asking me, am I casing places? 
do I have anything on my record they need to be aware of? Where did I get this car? Blah, 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 blah. What do you do? And the whole time I done a, an interview with all the local papers, local TV stations. Um, my commercials running every night uh, during Will of Fortune, which at the time is the most watched evening show after the news. Yeah. Um, every jar of mayonnaise in, in the local Walmarts, Kroger's, Piggly Wiggly's, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it, it was frustrating. It's, it's agitating, yeah. you know, that that even though my record comes back clean, no arrests, no priors, whatnot, or, you know, everything that they look for, I can't just get my paperwork and my license and be on my way. It's got to be, there's got to be something, you know, and, and that's the part that bothered me. Otis, do you remember the time, and I guess we're going to, we've taken up enough of your time here tonight. Yeah, we can talk yeah, to you yeah, forever and ever. Oh, you got, do you have another two hours? Or, <laughs> well, maybe for another day, but... Do you remember, um, we'll bring it home now, but do you remember when I think you were playing up in Maine and you called me, I was in Manchester, and you drove all the way down to see a, a WWF pay-per-view? Yeah. That was so much fun. Do you still watch wrestling? Oh, all the time. All That's, the time. You know it's fake, right? I got to take my daughter um, to a Raw event uh, in Nashville earlier this year. I want to say... It might have been right after Christmas or right before Christmas. They were in Nashville for Raw, and uh, you know we got to see everybody down the floor. It was really cool. So yeah, I definitely still enjoy wrestling, and, and glad I got to experience that with her. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. I'm glad you looked me up, and I I had to experience some prejudice there because I never told you this, but this is true too. You went to the bathroom, and this cute girl comes up to me and says, "Is he an athlete?" And I'm like, what makes you say that? I'm like, he just looks like an athlete and you look like an agent. And I thought that was really offensive because I kind of have an athletic build. Don't you think? A little bit? If yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure this Otis, you don't have to be nice. A lot he does not have an athletic build. I think we both put on a lot of dead weight. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> pickleball, I think that's more my style. That's a new sport emerging. Um, relating to uh, the wrestling, here's a serious question for you. A few years back, you had been asked about which celebrities that you were most excited to meet. And your answer was Michael Jordan, which we all understand. And then interestingly enough, it was yeah, I'm Hulk really, Hogan. I'm really, sorry, I'm really jealous of the Michael Jordan one. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> we could do a whole show on that. Um, but the other one was, was Hulk Hogan. And I remember hearing that a couple of years back and I immediately thought of you and what your feelings were after we all learned that Hulk Hogan is um, apparently a racist, or at least is prone to going on tangents. Racist tirades. Yeah. Yeah. What's that, what's that sound like um, coming out of the mouth of a hero? You know, I, 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 I heard uh, the audio. Uh, I read the entire transcript, and I... It's it, it's funny, but I've been in that situation where you know a black athlete, you're dating um, a white daughter, and sometimes the dad comes out of you, the 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 inner protector and those underlying tones that maybe at that time that's how he felt, you know. And I don't, I think after reading the transcript. I think he was trying, and I don't want to try to defend him under 
any circumstances for using the words that he did. But I think he was trying to distinguish a certain group of black people from a different group of black people mm-hmm. by using it. And you can't do that. Uh, you, you simply can't do that because that word is so offensive that there is no distinguishing, you know, yeah. and regardless of which ethnicity that you apply it to, it's still such an atrocious and harsh and cruel word that I don't think that in his mind he thought like that. I think he was like, well, I can say that this group is that, but this group, they're, you know, cool black guys that I like. You know, and, and and just reading the transcript, and once again, not, definitely not trying to defend his atrocious use of it, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I I just think that that was the differentiation, and it was disappointing for me. But uh, you know, I did see the apology, and and after me and then talking with him, he's definitely a sincere guy, um, and I could not see where he had uh, that intent in him you know, to definitely be a racist individual. So are you still a Hulkamaniac? Oh, yeah, it's still a fan. And if I saw him today, you know, I would definitely um, let him know that, that, you know, I was disappointed when that happened, but I appreciate his apology and and, uh, hope that he's learned a little bit from that and and maybe it's changed his viewpoints on how, um, whether in private or, or, Definitely, I'm sure he won't do it again in public, that he uses that or, you know, views what he thought in his mind at that time, certain group of black people. For a second, I just want to talk to Mike about what you just said, because in this town in particular, we talked a little bit beforehand, um, people are not forgiving. Uh, Everyone's very tense. It seems like after this last presidential election, um, anxiety is up. People are, are triggered a lot more easily and um you know we're at, we're having this interview with you somewhere along the line we might have gone down a direction that someone's going to call us out for not being compassionate enough or maybe we didn't you know maybe we missed something i don't yeah, know yeah there's a, there's always something that could be done better and yeah and, and here you are our, our take on it was basically you got to have the conversation you know yeah. it's like you, you have to just you start never make everyone happy you never will we could yeah. sit and talk for hours and hours and somebody will still find something wrong with what you guys have done here tonight and right. you know that's the thing that i think comes with maturity is that you simply understand that you can't fight all battles you got to pick and choose the ones that you really want to fight and the ones that you want to you know, put your feet in the dirt and anchor in and, and root yourself to and, and withstand those. And and so not everybody's going to be happy. I myself am very happy uh, having known Rick for years and now seeing, you know, the platform that you use tonight. And then, too, just the community itself, because like you said, that is a very affluent white community that could have just simply put its uh blinds down and, and kind of shielded itself off from what's going on in the rest of the world and said, hey, it's not happening here. You know, once again, that comfort bubble, but the residents stepped out of that comfort bubble like, you know, hey, we are not standing for this as well. So that's important. And so you got to definitely take the few people that aren't going to like what you did or didn't think that you did it right 
And you got to overlook that for the good that's come out of it with the multitude of people that, um, you know, really can see that, you know, things need to change. Oh, good. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that. So all you curmudgeons out there that are looking for something to complain about, <laughs> you just got the endorsement. This was a, I think if I, to paraphrase, this is the best interview you've ever had, right? <laughs> oh, by, by far, by far. Right. Well, um, Mike, Mike's got an awesome question for you, and I'm dying to hear the answers. Well, actually, I wanted to ask you one other thing first. Um, you're you're known as being a basketball player and a coach. What's what's something that the average person wouldn't know about you that that you wish more people knew? Like, hey, you know, I'm more than a basketball player. I'm more than a basketball coach. What what's something really uh, unique or interesting about Otis Key that we all should know? Um, I think with me, well, it's definitely changed now that I have kids. Uh, I'm more of a homebody now, which is odd because during those 10 years, I couldn't wait to be on the road. I couldn't wait to be in the locker room. I couldn't wait to be on the bus. And after six or eight months of it, yes, I wanted to go home. But after a week of being home, I was ready to leave again. Now, I hate leaving the house. <laughs> you know, I, it's so unfortunate that we were all forced for two months to stay at home due to, you know, COVID-19 and, and this virus that's been so deadly and, and, and just so unfortunate to the 120,000 people that we've lost to it. Uh, but for me, it was like, now I kind of get a chance to stay at home and really hone in on other things that, um, you know, I want to do. I'm not necessarily looking at coaching uh, forever. You know, I want to get into the administration side of sports. Uh, you know, Rick, I want to get into some of the things that you used to do on the public relations side of it, uh, the general manager aspect of it, um, the marketing side of it. You know, there's so many other avenues that this time away from actually being on the court, my team and whatnot has allowed me to really look at it and, you know, kind of shape my thinking and shape kind of my, my, my timeline that I'd like to get into that. But at the same time, this time away has made me want to get back on the court with my team because I miss, you know, the ladies that I'm around and coaching and watching them grow and, and watching them get better, both as people and as athletes. So uh, it's a catch-22. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could say the most interesting thing about me is that, you know, I think uh, being a globetrotter and now being a coach probably made me bipolar because I, I want to be at home, but yet at the same time, I want to be on the court with my kids and, and I'm being involved with a different aspect of sports. Maybe you could just work out a deal where you just coach the home games. <laughs> That'd be great. I don't think it works that way. No, it doesn't work that way. But All right, Otis, so I have one more question for you. Let's say Rick and I, by some miracle, tomorrow became members of the Harlem Globetrotters. We made the team. Uh, what, what nickname are you giving us uh, as, our, as our player name? And just because we're white doesn't mean we can't play basketball. That's a stereotype. Uh, haven't known Rick uh, for for wow. Can you believe it's been this long? You know, yeah. time just seems to creep away. But um, you know, Rick is smooth. I'm telling you, he is smooth. When 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 we're on these interviews, when we're going in and out of these different um, uh, require media requirements. He's just smooth with the transition. So I would probably have to go with, you know, 
Rick, Mr. Finesse, think you know, it's oh, Mr. Finesse. Yeah. Dude, I, you are getting a Christmas card from the Finn family this year, man. Thanks for nothing. Oh, oh for nothing. Mr. Finesse, Medfield. Yeah. That's how I will be addressed. Guess what? He he just he oh. just got two uh, Massachusetts license plate for plates for his car yeah. officially, and they're gonna be vanity plates that say Mr. Finesse. Oh yeah, <laughs> awesome. Thank you, buddy. I love it. He's never gonna shut up about that. Yeah. Now, what about this guy? What yeah, about this, what about my gonna, my mine's lanky not gonna be cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I will still work on it. I hope you guys invite me back on. Uh, oh yeah. You know, I definitely love to come back on, and if my I will come up with one. Okay. okay. Come Sounds good. Get I'm gonna in, hold you to that. Know you and 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 just listening to you and whatnot. You know, I'm pretty sure I will come up with one. All right. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Well, it was a pleasure having you on. Yeah. And uh, next time you're up this way, after all this uh, COVID nonsense is over, I definitely want to meet up with you in person and hang out. Definitely, it sounds yeah. great. We, uh, I wished I had known uh, probably four four years ago. We took a road trip, started in Cedar Point, uh, Ohio, at the roller coaster park. Right. Yeah. And then I surprised my wife and my daughter and her best friend. Um, I was like. We're going to take a road trip. So we ended up in Buffalo. Uh, hey, I, I'm sorry. I wanted to double back. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Buffalo. Niagara Falls aside, is Buffalo the most disappointing city you've ever been to? <laughs> yeah, I was going to Like, Buffalo sucks. Yeah, I surprised my wife would take her to Buffalo. <laughs> well, uh, Otis, we'll, I guess we'll let you go because we got what we needed, and it's getting well, – it's only 9.15, but – you're the greatest, greatest dad, according to the balloon. So go hang out with your daughter. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Thanks a lot, pal. Yeah. All right. Thanks so Thank much, you. buddy. Thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it. And I'll have a nickname for you next time. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you. All right. See you. Bye-bye. All right. That was Otis Key, former Harlem Globetrotter and uh, uh, buddy of ours, now friend of the show. Yeah, Mike, he's coming back. He's on. coming back, and I'll tell you, I really want to know what my nickname is. I was kind of bummed that I, he only had one for you, and such a good one for oh. you. Oh, and then and then he was like, "Yeah, oh, I got nothing for you, Mike. Sorry." I know. Hey, what's my name again? I'm Mr. Finesse. That's right. That's right. I just want to hear you say it. And um, Leslie, if you're listening, Mr. To this, Finesse. Yeah, Leslie, I apologize. Um, I never would have asked that question if I had realized that Rick was going to get such a good nickname. <laughs> I thought he was going to get shot down and it was going to be glorious. No, And no. now look at us. Yeah, Otis hooked me up. All right, guys. Well, that's another episode of Small Town Scuttlebutt. Um, we had a lot of fun talking with Otis. I hope you had just as much fun listening to the conversation. Yeah. Uh, thanks again to Otis, Mr. OK Key, for joining us today. And uh, don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Small Town Scuttlebutt when we will have uh, Brett Poirier from Medfield TV with us. Oh, yeah. That's right. The general manager. I guess he wants to pitch some show ideas to us. Yeah. I don't know. This is moving way too fast, Mike. I mean, this is episode two, and we're already going on television. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. see. You, know, you know who should be at this meeting? Leanne? Yeah. Yeah, good luck with that. All right, so this is going to wrap up another episode of Small Town Scuttlebutt. I'm Rick Fink Jr. Across the table from me is my buddy, Mike Page. Right, but again, I'm sitting to your left. Okay. We're doing this again. <laughs> All right, everybody. We will uh, see you next week. I'm Rick Fink. That's Mike Page. Take care. Hey, guys, we really like doing this show. And if you enjoy the show as much as we do... Please tell a friend because that's the only way that we can grow this show.
Right now we're at about 700 downloads and uh, only you can help us reach our goal of 10 million downloads by July 4th. Yeah, I think that's pretty attainable. We're well on our way. Thanks, guys. Beat that. (laughs) (laughs) You got nothing. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mr. Finesse. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's my name. That was another episode of Small Town Scuttlebots, the only podcast that reacts to the overreaction of other people reacting to small town problems. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend. Small Town Scuttlebutt is released every Thursday. Rick Fink Jr. and Mike Page are mismanaged by the Bravo Talent Group. Send your comments, questions, and grievances to these guys through Leanne Bravo. Email her at bravo1 at smalltownscuttlebutt.com and she'll probably get back to you eventually. Check them out on Facebook too. And thanks for listening. That was awesome, man. Thank you so much. Hey, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, All right, so you got to, whatever nickname you end up coming up with me, it's got to be at least on par with Mr. Finesse. Mr. Fin- oh, God, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm- <laughs> <laughs>